listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. On last week's podcast, I talk about the fact that we have this resentment within us that often poisons a relationship. And last week, we talked about what to do with your own resentments, how to heal your own resentments. But many times people come to me because they're more fixated on the fact that their spouse is holding on to the resentments than recognizing the resentments that they're holding on to. So hopefully you've gone through last week's podcast and realized that the process of healing resentment always starts with yourself. It always starts with you releasing the resentments that you're holding before you try to address the resentments your spouse is holding. So the first thing is to make sure that you've gone through last week's podcast and you understand where the resentment needs to go for you, how to release and let go and heal the resentment for yourself. The second thing is just a reminder, if you, if you don't recall that, that we talked about the fact that resentment is really a systemic infection of anger, and anger is really an outward response from hurt. So if we track it back, resentment comes from anger that's not healed, not solved, but anger is really just outward hurt. So if we boil it down, this process of resentment is going back to the initial hurts that caused the resentment as it spun out. Resentment is the poison, because if we work on hurt, we usually heal those fairly quickly and we move forward. If we don't heal those, they continue to fester. They continue to poison the system until the whole system, the whole relationship gets to be bogged down by the infection of the resentment. So today we talk about what do you do about your spouse's resentment? My guess is that both of you have carried a long resentment. That's typical for most couples. And my guess is most of the time, couples, uh, if you're like most typical couples, you have begun to rationalize that away. You've become to rationalize the resentments that are there for you to explain that your spouse shouldn't be resentful, but you certainly deserve to be resentful. That's just kind of how we play this game out. So let me say that we all carry around this level of hurt with us that's based on our own internal representation. In other words, hurt is subjective. Something that might hurt one person doesn't cause any pain for another person. And usually when we say something, we didn't mean it to be hurtful, and yet it's often heard in a hurtful way. So we have this subjective reality to the experience of each of us in hurt. Subjective means that you can't apply it to everyone. So if you're still listening, my guess is you've got a spouse who is feeling some hurt, and that hurt has come out as anger, and that anger, unresolved, has become resentment. And you want to find a way to deal with that resentment so that your relationship can reconnect. Resentment is the poison of connection. So how do we start the process? Well, the first thing is that we always want to track back. As I said earlier, anger is secondary emotion to hurt. Hurt is the primary emotion. Anger, the secondary emotion. Resentment is what happens when the residual anger is not addressed and it grows. And so we have to step back and address the hurt. Part of that means that you begin to look back on where you caused the hurt. So My suggestion for all couples is to ignore the anger in the other person. Now, let me be very clear. 
you don't ignore the behavior, but you ignore the emotion. So if somebody's yelling, throwing things, pushing, all of those activities that I consider to be boundary violations, you don't ignore the angry response, but you don't get hooked into the anger. You recognize that behind that is the hurt. You may have to address somebody's breaking of your boundaries by setting up very clear expectations of how you want to be treated. But if you get caught in like most of us do, and you respond to the anger, you perpetuate the anger. You don't solve the anger, you perpetuate it. And when you perpetuate it, you end up finding a place in yourself for anger, and you end up allowing the other person to be justified in their anger. So step one, always look to address the hurt behind the anger Ignore the anger itself and stop looking at how the other person is uh, talking to you with anger. Look at how they might express that behavior. But you want to recognize whenever there's anger coming your way that behind it there's hurt that you want to address. Which brings us to an immediate second step. To apologize and accept responsibility. I talk about how you write that apology letter that's so powerful when I'm talking with my VIP uh, virtual coaching members. And, and part of what I'm trying to do is get to a place where it's not just an apology, where it's a toss-off. Have you ever noticed how often we just toss off an apology? You know, somebody says, oh, you know, you did something, and you say, oh, I'm so sorry for that, and you move on. Well, that's not really getting to the heart of it. Apology is step one. Accepting responsibility is the more powerful place. If you want to solve the anger and resentment, it's not enough to simply apologize. Many times we simply apologize and try to move on, and we never get to the place of healing that happens when you say, I accept responsibility for where this has taken us. I always have to be clear at this point to say that I'm not talking about taking responsibility for everything in your relationship, but I am saying that if you've done something that hurt the other person, even as it's coming out in anger, that you take responsibility for having done that. Apologize and accept responsibility is step number two. Step number three is to notice how, what we do in the midst of those arguments. So you want to stop building your rebuttals. This is one of those very common mistakes that people make in the midst of a conflict. They're not listening. They're creating their rebuttals to what the other person is saying. Have you ever noticed that? That as somebody is, is talking, you're not really listening to what they're saying as much as figuring out how to respond and prove them wrong. Your rebuttal to their statement. Whenever we do that, We magnify the anger and the hurt and the resentment. Whenever we decide not to chase after the rebuttals, but to simply listen, we allow the other person to move through their anger and back towards their hurt. So make sure you stop building your rebuttals and you start listening to the hurt that's behind it. Number four, ask for more examples. Seek to understand the other person's perspective. The deeper the resentment is, the longer this process can take, but it's a critical part. So you have one place where maybe a spouse says, you know, you always do this. 
our initial response to that is to always is to always say, I don't always do that. You know, we, we start pleading against that instead of saying, well, I'm not sure if I do it all the time, but can you tell me more times about how I've done that? Maybe the person says, you always discount me. And they're talking about a specific time. You can apologize for that time, but you can say, you know what? Obviously, there's a lot of pain there. Obviously, I've hurt your feelings around that. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to discount you. So can you help me understand? Can you share with me some other examples of that? Now, let me caution you here that if you ask for examples, you are not asking for examples to rebut, right? This is where we look back uh, to uh, step number three. This is not about building rebuttals. So when they're sharing the other examples, you need to accept the examples as places where they're sharing their hurt. Accept them for gifts of reflections of you, gifts of reminders of other times where maybe it didn't come the way you wanted it to. The words didn't come out the way you thought, the actions didn't come out the way you thought, that it led to hurt for the other person. Allow it to be their hurt, but allow their words to be representative of something that is important for you to hear. You may not have meant it, but that doesn't mean it wasn't perceived that way. So ask for more examples and then listen to them. Seek to understand their perspective in the process so that you can begin that healing. Which brings us to step number five. Have a clearing conversation. A clearing conversation is when you take responsibility for those examples. Not to explain them away, but to accept responsibility and say, wow, that certainly wasn't what I meant. I want you to know, though, that I apologize for that, and I accept responsibility for that, and I will work to change that. This is a crucial place. If you want the resentment to be healed, there has to be a place where your spouse sees that you're willing to change, not sees that you're trying to change their mind, but sees that you're willing to change, willing to accept their perspective, willing to see things from their viewpoint, and willing to work on healing that. So step number five, have that clearing conversation. The clearing conversation is probably more about hearing them out, allowing them to talk through it, and then maybe a third of the time responding and accepting responsibility, not reacting and shoving back with anger and threat, but responding with listening and responsibility. The final thing is to change what needs to be changed. And this is the place where it really takes action. If you tell your spouse you're going to change and then you do nothing to change, you've only proven that they have a reason to be suspect. They have a reason to be on defense. They have a reason to hold on to their resentment. If you show that you accept responsibility for what's happened, that you make a sincere apology, and then you begin to change, you notice that there's a transformation that's possible. And this is the important part. In therapy, we talk about first-order change and second-order change. First-order change is when we kind of act like we're going to change. We, we kind of, it's, it's like makeup. You know, you, you had a bad day, bad night, and you're tired, and you get up, and, and you kind of look draggy. And so you put on makeup, and you make yourself look ready to meet the world. But underneath it, you're still exhausted, and you're still out of energy. That's a first-order change. 
A second order change is to find ways of changing the habit so you're not tired when you get up in the morning, that you really are recharged and get the rest you need and take care of yourself and, and all the other pieces. So a first order change is pretending that something's different. The second order change is when you really do make a change. Here's the important part of this. If you decide to make a change, oftentimes it'll start off with that first order change. You want to prove that you're a different person. But you've got to be a different person. If you only work to to be seen as that different person and never work to allow that to become you, it'll break through. We can only fake it for so long before our true stripes show. And that's the problem in many marriages. Many times people have promised over and over to change the exact same issues that bring up the hurt and the anger and resentment, only to go right back into those as soon as uh, you've made any progress. So you work and you work and you work, and as you begin to, to regain your spouse's uh, trust and, and your spouse's connection, you haven't really made any changes because you've just changed the appearance. So part of what's crucial here is to make the real changes. This is part of the heart of my process. If you know my process, I have three, three C's to the process. Connecting with your spouse, changing yourself, and creating a new path. Connecting with your spouse often is included in the changing yourself. You've got to figure out the places where you've fallen short and begin to rebuild that. When you rebuild that, it allows for more connection and it likely allows for a new path for your relationship. All of that comes as a bundle. I pull it out as as three different pieces, but they all work in synergy together as they begin to grow on each other. As you find the places where you have created resentment from your spouse, where you've hurt your spouse, make sure you've heard them out. Make sure you've gathered the examples. Make sure you understand the process that's happened. Then seek to make the real changes. Take responsibility for those changes and begin to make sure that the the changes are, are true changes, that you really have changed yourself, not just a new appearance, but you've really changed yourself. If you're at the place where you're still wondering about all this, let me invite you to grab my system, the Save the Marriage system. You can find that at savethemarriage.com. And let me let you know that in that is a, a special module on how to heal anger and resentment for both you and your spouse that you might find very helpful in the process. Either way, I wish you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.